the way from Eastbourne. With, uh, yeah, that was so smooth up to that point. Just to say that we've got to go uh, to a video right now. God is catching us up, not just in this family, but in a wider family. And this is what's happening in the city of Berlin. Thank you. An adventure is an exciting journey or experience that is typically bold and often risky. What is your life adventure? Maybe it's traveling the world or a great holiday, a daring exploit or experiencing true love, a successful career or owning the perfect home. I want to invite you on an adventure. My wife Sarah is from Germany and we met at a church in the UK where we shared a passion for adventure and the gospel. Jump forward a few years and now we're in Berlin. We love this city and we want to see it flourish. Berlin is one of the most influential cities in the world. As well as being one of Europe's largest and coolest cities, it's the political capital of Germany. The city has a diverse population with around 20% of its residents coming from outside of Germany. It's a city of around 4 million people influencing culture, politics and business around the world. When I was 20 years old, I joined a group of friends starting a new church in Wellington, New Zealand. The sense of adventure was exhilarating as families followed the call of God to the other side of the world. It was then that I read the Great Commission for the first time. Jesus sends out his followers to go and make disciples of all nations. Later on in the story, his followers continue the adventure, traveling through Europe to influential cities, sharing the good news of the gospel. Germany has seen many great moves of God. However, it's estimated today that around 1% of Berliners attend Bible-believing churches. You could say that Berlin is spiritually dead, or, that it is ready for a great move of God. The gospel is good news. We're so excited to be starting a Bible-based, grace-filled, spirit-empowered, city-impacting church that loves God and loves Berliners. God has spoken to us as a team and as new grounds our family of churches about playing our part in being a blessing to Berlin. We're praying for a team of people to join us from across Berlin and around the world. People of different ages, stages and cultural backgrounds. Perhaps this is the next step of the story that God has for you. We'd love you to join us on this Berlin adventure. Good little video they put together. I like the fact that, um, that in it you get to say it's one of the coolest cities in the world. Like, who gets to pick that? You know, Pete gets to say that because that's the city that he lives in. So I've just decided Eastbourne is one of the coolest towns in the world. <laughs> hey, let's coin, that, let's coin that phrase. And it, I guess 
Um, so my name's Ollie. I'm one of the leaders around here as well. I just wanted to speak to us very briefly today. Um, but that seems a really odd strategy, wouldn't it? If you think on a Sunday morning when we're trying to get excited about all that God's got for us here to then promote something that someone else is doing in another city in the world and then publicly say in front of people, why don't you go and join them as well? Seems weird. Like, sorry, this is a bit boomy. They'll, they'll grab it as it comes through. But that seems a bit of a weird strategy. Why would anyone, why would anyone that's trying to promote something that they're doing and that they're involved in want to talk about something that someone else is doing and saying, maybe God's calling in your heart and stirring you to think about how might you play your part in the global picture of God? That's because God's much bigger than we think he is. That's kind of the point of this is that we arrived this morning, and some of you will have just arrived because your kids were in a strand performance and you got told, come and watch Lion King. And then during the part of this morning, people start bringing prophetic words, and God's bigger than this, and we start praying for physical healing, and someone gives a, a word of knowledge and speaking into it, and you start thinking, what? I thought I was just turning up to watch the Lion King. What are you doing to me? Like, why have you done this to me? It's because God's bigger than us. He's bigger than you think he is. And that's good. So like... I was thinking recently, I ate a Domino's pizza that was way too big for me, and it was way too salty for me to be able to eat all of. You ever eaten those really horrible, well, they're not horrible, they're beautiful when you eat them, but you know when you wake up at two o'clock in the morning and you think, that was way too big for me and way too salty for me, and now I need a pint of water by the side of the bed because I'm going to need to drink this pint of water because it has ruined me. That's what God's like. <laughs> God's much bigger than you can handle. He's much saltier than you can imagine. That's a, weird, that's a weird word to say. But I think there's something in us sometimes that we've settled and that we've started on things that we can cope with. We can deal with it. This pizza's big. It's okay. We've got all that we need for this. I'm sufficient. I've got the capacity to deal with these things. We're okay. We can deal with it there. Therefore, I don't get woken up at two o'clock in the morning needing a pint of water. Therefore, I don't wake up with that feeling in my stomach like, man, I've taken on more than I could ever imagine. See, if you know anything about God, I believe that God's plans and purposes are much bigger than we ever think. That's good news. Much bigger than you think. If you've got to a place where you think, this Christian life, I've got it. I understand it. I'm walking through it now. All things feel good. I don't really need the drink at two o'clock in the morning. I can cope with it all. I've got a nice, balanced Christian life. I believe that's the caller of a follower of Jesus. The caller of a follower of Jesus is that he changes and transforms you and he lifts your eyes to something much bigger than you could ever imagine. He causes you to need him for the call that he places upon your life. Becoming a follower of Jesus ruins you for anything else. Becoming a follower of Jesus gets so inside of you, such a need of you, that you continually come before you, God, and you say, God, I need you for this. I'm unable to do this in and of myself. And you know the better news of the gospel is that God loves us when we're in that place because he is able to provide for all of our needs. God has enough to go around. He has enough to provide for us at all times. So regardless of whatever circumstance or situation or event or plan or purpose that we feel called to, whatever it was big, it's good that it's big, but it's even better that my God is bigger than it. Because it's even better that I can always come before the God that is able to do immeasurably more than I can ask and imagine and say, God, would you provide for me? If we were able to do it in and of ourselves, our plans and our visions and our purposes are way too small. God longs for our plans and our purposes and our visions to be big enough for him to have to step in. 
That's what Alan was talking about this morning. That's what Graham was bringing in those contributions to say this morning. All of that is a point of saying we are reliant upon God's. We've spent the last three months in a series of blueprint looking at what it looks like to be a local church, being a family of God, being a vine on which his fruit grows, being a pillar and a buttress of truth, being one that is a global mission. But in all of it, every single one of those analogies always comes back to the point of needing God within it. Without God, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how well we function or do things or act or operate. All of this completely, utterly relies upon Jesus, our God and Savior, who died and rose again. All of it relies upon him. All of it relies upon the empowering of the Spirit of God to do these things. So we're going to read in a minute a verse that just kept coming up over this new ground weekends that we were part of that just talks about John 7. Now, you see, one of the things that I kind of, that I would say to you, this is bad plug number two, just talking about Ashburnham as a weekend, Ashburnham is going to get much harder for us to go to in two years' time. At the moment, it's only up the roads. It's in a lovely location. It's only up the road. We just drive our cars. We're there in 20 minutes. In two years, it's moving to Norwich. It's moving all the way up in Norwich. And it's going to be at the same time as the big church day out. All of these things, you get it, you think, what's going on? I love going to Ashburnham, and now it's with all these other little bits and pieces that are going on there. But there's a deep bit inside of me from spending time with people. That guy, Pete, a lot of us will remember Pete as a young 20-year-old guy. I remember the stir of God in his heart as a young guy. And so now cheering and celebrating and seeing all that God's doing in him in Berlin stirs your heart because it's important that we feel connected to a bigger picture in all that we do. It's so important that we feel connected to a family of believers. So when we hear things from the weekend, that's why we want to talk about it. So it isn't just something that's said at Ashburnham, like some other things that may have been said to us over the summer, but it's something that we buy into and hear about and invest in and hear God speaking to us about as those who partner alongside in global mission, alongside those others that would call themselves part of this new grand family of churches. It's massively important for us. So this verse that just kept being said and I want to read to us today is John 7. So if you could pull it up for me just onto the screen here. This is Jesus speaking. Great feasts that the whole of the people of Israel have gathered to. This is a bigger moment for the people of Israel. Jesus, young teacher that arrives before them, starts to proclaim and declare something to the people. And it makes me laugh because as he starts to say these things, some people would say, well, Jesus never claims to be God. Listen to what he says about himself in a second and see whether that sounds like someone who isn't trying to claim to be in the seat of God in these things. So John 7 verse 37 says this, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up, he cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. If anyone wakes up at 2 o'clock in the morning because you've eaten a pizza that's too big for your belly, if you wake up, Come to me and drink. No, he's not talking about physical thirst. He's talking about your soul. Anyone who wakes up, anyone has a moment in their life where they say, my soul needs refreshing. I need water to my soul, to my inmost being. Something to satisfy me deeper than any pint of water could ever satisfy. Jesus says, come to me and drink. Jesus still declares that over us today. Jesus stands up. As the risen Savior, the Son of God, who died and rose again. And today he says to you, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Do you know, that's why I think we need to be eating bigger pizzas. Genuine. We need a bigger thirst for God. If we've got all that we need, 
If my thirst has got to a point when I'm okay because I know that I've got the pint by the side of the bed and I'm prepared for what I need in the night, that's great, good planning, well done. But the Christian life is always to call us to things that are beyond ourselves, beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. It demands of us something more than we ever think we could give. That's the point, because we are always able, because we have access to the Father, by the Son, through the Spirit, we have access to the one who provides for all of our needs and is able to do these things all of the time. It doesn't matter if it's two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, five o'clock in the afternoon, at any point, wherever in your life, wherever your thirst lies, you are able to come before the Son by the Spirit and drink whenever you need it. It is unrelenting. Dave Thorpe would say, smiling at me there, the unrelenting waterfall of God's grace and mercy has been flowing from the throne room of God throughout all eternity. I can stand underneath it, receiving all that I need whenever I need it. The plans and purposes that God places in my life are never big enough to overcome all that I receive from him. I can receive all that I ever need and not just enough for me. That would be crazy. Again, if the Christian message was just that, isn't it great that I get enough for my own needs? Isn't it good that it satisfies my thirst? No. The Christian message is never just about your thirst. The Christian message is about the thirst of the nations, those who long to know and encounter the living God that now longs to, what does Jesus say? Jesus says, whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So I now receive something from God which satisfies me in my most inmost being and then from me it flows and overflows to those who do not yet know who Jesus is to change and transform their lives also. God always provides not just all that we need but more than we could ever need or require. That's what the Spirit of God does. Therefore, he will always not just quench my thirst but provide enough for me to change and transform a barren and dry land. That is the goodness of the gospel. That's how God longs to work in us and through us. Church, wake up to those things and hear it. That God's ultimate intention is not finished with us and with you. It's not just so that you would meet and encounter the living God. It's so that you would be changed and transformed by him. So that he would work in you and through you to change and transform the nations. God loves to do that. That's always been his plans and purposes. His purpose has always been that the river would flow where it pleases. That the river that flows out of him to those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. He's saying all of this before he died and rose again. He's saying this in a promise of one day when I die and I'm raised again and I'm glorified to the right hand of the Father. When I'm raised back and all all of creation sees me for who I truly am, the risen son of God, then the spirit will be released upon all who choose to believe. We live in the good of that today. We live in the age where we're able to have access to the Spirit of God, where he equips us, enables us to live lives pleasing to him. That is incredible good news. That is better news than you're going to hear anywhere else, better than any bumper sticker you're going to drive behind, better than any documentary you watch on Netflix. The good news of knowing that the gospel not just rescues and saves you, but empowers you to live a life that is now changed and transformed for his plans and purposes for all eternity so that his son would be glorified is incredible good news. It's true for us today. So I get to read things like this, and I get to come once again as we gather as the people of God. On our Sunday context, we arrive as those that are followers of Jesus, and we say, we're thirsty for you again, God. God, we're thirsty for you to satisfy our souls. We're thirsty for streams of living water that would flow in us and through us to go and change and transform lives. You see, that's always been the case. Rivers flow wherever they want. 
The source of the river always intends to bubble out and end up in a mouth. It always intends to flow through, to return back to the sea, to be moving out of its source to go on to all that it plans to accomplish and achieve. You know, if you know anything about rivers, rivers cut through rocks, rivers move lands, rivers pick up boulders and move them downstream. Rivers are powerful, powerful metaphors that are being put here of all that the Spirit longs to do in us and through us. And you see, the thing that I want you to know this morning about the Spirit of God is that because the Spirit of God isn't just for you, we don't have to worry about holding on to it. We don't have to worry about damning on to all that we've got. See, we live in a world now, and you'll notice this, over the next 15, 20, 50 years, wars will be fought over water. Because water is a scarce commodity that we have in this land now. You start realizing that water runs out. So one nation that has the source of a river that pops up in it, then builds a dam to ensure that that water never leaves its boundaries. It doesn't want it to leave the boundary and flow through into other lands, because it needs it for its people. It needs to know that its people will be watered. It needs to know that it has it for the long summers where no rain may fall, and so it will start to build dams. So now people start to fight over borders because people want the source of the river within their lands. They want to make sure that it's within their own land so that they have access to the water as it flows. People redirect rivers now to make sure it doesn't flow into neighboring nations. Is that true of us as the people of God's? Those who receive from God an unrelenting waterfall of his goodness and grace, who receive it daily, do we have to worry about it running out? No. Do I have to worry about, have I got enough for myself? Therefore, do I have to worry about holding on to it for us? Do I have to worry about, has King's Church Eastbourne got enough? Should we really have ever planted Centro down in town? Should we ever have started that site because we would have been worried? that Have we got enough for Centro as well? Have we got enough for Seaford? Have we got enough for the church down the road at Bexhill? Have we got enough to even talk about Berlin? I don't know. I don't know if we've got enough. I'm worried that there may not be enough water to go around to do all these things. That's foolishness. Utter foolishness when I understand the goodness and grace of God's. When I understand that from him flows rivers of living water. Because all of a sudden then I worry so much less about damming it up for myself and protecting all that I've got and making sure that I have a cup for my wake up in the morning. And I start saying, I'll walk into it daily. Of course I've got enough to go around. Because it was never mine in the first place. I received it freely from God because freely those that receive freely give. We freely release and let go of these streams of living water that long to flow in us and through us to change and transform our lands. That is the reality of the gospel. We live in a barren land that is thirsty for God. May not know it. May not be aware of it yet. They don't maybe know the name in which to call out to and ask for their deepest thirst to be satisfied. But Jesus makes a promise to you that from your heart would flow streams of living water. Jesus, by his spirit, longs to use you to glorify him and to provide streams of living water by his spirit for those who don't yet know who he is, to bring life into every circumstance and situation of life. God longs to do that through you. Let faith rise in your heart. It's the truth and the reality of the gospel that God longs to do that. He longs to be at work in you and through you, not just for your own good, but for the good and glory of all those who would choose to believe. God loves to do that and to be at work. You see, the crazy thing you'll know about water is water does what it wants. It goes where it pleases. The river flows wherever it likes. If you know, you know the Cookmere River just down the road, how much money have they spent for years and years and years trying to contain the flow of the river? Let's make sure it's a nice straight river that's going on here. We don't want to make sure it meanders across anymore. 
causing all that trouble as it goes and cuts across the land. We don't want any flooding to be taking place. People spend fortunes to try and maintain rivers. The river flows where it wants. God chooses to move as he please. If you know anything about the good news of the gospel, if you read anything of your Bible, you'll notice God raises up those that he chooses to raise. He raises up little shepherd boys on hillsides and brings them in for his plans and purposes. He raises up some of the weakest characters that you could ever imagine for his plans and purposes and pulls them through. The river flows where it wants, wherever it likes to go. So we, need to, we can stop worrying about trying to contain it and hold on to it and say, God, you do as you please. This book has been, I promise you, this book has just been ruining me. Like, this has been waking me up at 2 o'clock in the morning and need a pint of water. Because I read it and I start seeing God's plan is so much bigger than I think it would be. And that's good for me. It places me in a right place. It places us in a right place to be able to see God's plan and purpose at work. So if I show you this, this little picture, just to look at the global center of Christianity over the last 2,000 years. It's a bit of a small picture in there, but hopefully you'll catch it. It's sort of, this is the Mediterranean around the top of um, North Africa that you've got there. So you see a bit of Spain in the corner. But what you'll see is that Christianity as a faith, it has never, ever had a center. It's never, ever had one global location in which people have to gather and meet and get to. Now, when Jesus spoke, it was Jerusalem. Get to Jerusalem. That's where the presence of God was. The second the Spirit of God came, it broke out to go as it pleased, to go to the ends of the earth. So you start seeing the move. And basically, these little dots that appear on the map, they're just like, they're imagine if we all created a geographical center by our gravitational pull from us as individuals, wherever we sit, wherever the biggest collection of Christians are, this is trying to map the center of it as it moves around the world. See, the river flows as it pleases. The river moves. So all of a sudden, Jerusalem used to be the center of the Christian faith, and then it moves to Antioch. And then it starts moving up into, into Turkey. And then about 1700s, it ends up into, into Rome, as you start seeing it there, and the move of the Catholic Church. And now what's happened is the global move of the church, actually at the moment, if we're in about 2019, it actually finds itself in North Africa in Timbuktu. That is the global center of the Christian faith today, is Timbuktu. You would have grown up being told, where's Timbuktu? It's the ends of the earth. Incredible. God's move of his people flows as it pleases because the river goes as it wants. It changes and transforms people and it moves them for his plans and purposes. And over the course of the next hundred years, people would predict that the global move of Christianity would continue to move south and continue to move east as it would start to see more and more believers that are, that are being raised in, in South America or through into Asia. You see this global move because the water flows as it pleases. The spirit moves as it pleases. And we get the privilege to watch it and be part of it and partner with it and say, and say God, would you move in us and through us? I had this crazy thought. I was just down at Centro a minute ago. Just coming into land, I was thinking, we're in a weird political time as a country at the moment, aren't we? Understatement. Weird political time. Today, there will be gathered believers in South America crying out for this nation. More believers than we've got in this country that will be praying for our nation, that will be changed and transformed for the purposes of God. The Christian message, the Christian faith is bigger than you could ever imagine. It's a bigger pizza than you could ever eat. And that's good. Because what does it drive into us? It drives a thirst and a longing and a need for God. That's what we don't want to get beyond. That's why we want to gather these next few Wednesdays and pray. Because we want to pray and say, God, we need you. We need you to move and to change and transform us. We need you to satisfy our thirst and provide for all that we long to do for your plans and purposes. 
I'd love us to land just by standing to pray together. I want to read just a couple of things to us. So yeah, if we want to stand. I think the band might just come and join just for a final song. But I'd, I want you to pray, really. This isn't necessarily about us singing a song of worship or necessarily about me praying for you. I want you just to pray to God. Be active in this to God out of a point of thirst and longing for him. So for me, like, I'd shut my eyes just so I'm not distracted. I might put my hands out because I want to receive something from God. But I just, just want to take a moment this morning just to ask God to satisfy the thirst within us. To not make me so reliant that I have all that I need for the adventure that he's called me to. My prayer would be that God would stir our hearts and lift our eyes to the bigness of his calling upon our life. My prayer would be that we would get a bigger picture of who God is and all that God longs to do. If I were to ask you some questions that might just provoke you, I'd say, do you believe that Jesus pours out his spirit on those who are thirsty? The word of God says that he does. So if I believe the words, Jesus longs to pour out his spirit on all those who thirst for him. The success in this story is your obedience. The success is your obedience to say, I'm thirsty for you, God. I need you in all that I long to do. So we believe that he longs to bring life to the ends of the earth. So we believe that God longs to change and transform our families, our homes, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our streets, our town, our nations. Because if we believe that God longs to do these things in us and through us, we'd pray bigger prayers. We'd ask for more of the move of his spirit in this land to do all that he longs to do to change and transform lives. So we believe that he has enough to go around. So we believe that the spirit of God knows no ends and no bounds, that his mercies are new every morning. Because if we do, then we pray out of a place of expectation, knowing that God will provide for all of our needs. Knowing that God longs to provide and satisfy every thirst within us and work in us and through us with streams of living water. So we believe that God longs to use you, his people. He longs to work through your heart as an ambassador of Christ to proclaim the goodness of his son to the nations. Spirit of God, I pray that you would do that in us as a church. As individuals, I pray that we will be changed and transformed by you. I pray stir up a greater thirst in us. Give us bigger pizzas to eat, I pray in Jesus' name. Cause us to have a greater thirst and need for you in all that we do. I need you, God. We need you. We need your spirit to change and transform us because this nation needs your spirit, God. This nation needs the good news of the gospel to change it and transform it. And we long to be used for your plans and purposes. Spirit of God, do that. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen.